Hello and welcome to another episode of the CG Garage. This is episode number 319 featuring Leighton and Paul from Technicolor Post. I have known Leighton and Paul for quite a while. Uh, they were We all worked together at a place called Sway, which is uh, no longer around. But I learned a lot from both of them, uh, uh, you know, as I was new to being a supervisor. And Leighton specifically was very good at teaching me the ins and outs of doing things as uh, she is an excellent producer. Uh, she is actually currently the, an executive producer over at Technicolor Post. And uh, Paul is creative director there. And they've done some really cool work, which they get into. Um, they've been doing stuff on Star Trek Picard, Westworld, Snowfall, and Bridgerton. So a bunch of other things that are going on there. Really interesting. Uh, Technicolor Post was actually recently acquired by Streamland Media. And we talk about that a little bit, as much as they could say, because it's still pretty fresh news and not all the details are sorted out. But it was really great to uh, have them on. And I, I just it was great catching up with them. It's like catching up with some old friends that you just happen to record and put on a podcast. Um, uh, Chris is not joining me today because unfortunately she's busy so I'm just doing this solo so I'm going to go through all the announcements on my own hopefully you guys are okay with that uh, for all of these things can be found at chaos.com slash events and so the first one is on March 25th uh, actually uh, there's going to be a real-time with uh, Chaos Vantage webinar. So that's going to be available on March 25th. And on April 6th, there's going to be a free webinar on V-Ray 5 for Revit. <laughs> for Revit. Uh, again, uh, March 25th, v- real-time with Chaos Vantage webinar. And April 6th, free webinar for V-Ray 5 for Revit. And those are at chaos.com slash events. Uh, for product news, uh, you can find all of this information at chaos.com. But basically, we have, uh, this may be uh, old news to some of you guys, but uh, Chaos uh, Cosmos is out, and that has been added to V-Ray 5 for Revit, V-Ray 5 for Rhino, V-Ray 5 for 3DS Max, with update one and V-Ray 5 for SketchUp with update one. And Cosmos is our new asset uh, uh, library that you can use and it's really great. So check it out. All of this again can be seen at chaos.com. If you want to know more about the podcast, you can go to facebook.com slash cggaragepodcast or you can just go to chaos.com slash cggarage. If you have ideas for the podcast, we always welcome those. Labs at chaosgroup.com is our email. Again, that's labs at chaosgroup.com is where you can email us. Ideas for guests are always welcome. We always love those. And we get some great suggestions, and we usually follow up on them. Um, So remember, also, you can leave us a review uh, and a rating on Apple Podcasts. That's always welcome as well. And if you want to check out the video forms of this podcast, you can do that uh, on our Facebook page at the address I mentioned earlier, which is facebook.com slash Podcast or on the Chaos TV channel on YouTube. All right, I think that's about it. I usually do this better with Kristen around, but I'm sorry, just doing it on my own today. Again, episode number 319, Leighton and Paul from Technicolor Post. Welcome to another CG Garage where the Chaos Group talks. You'll know it's over when the last bucket drops. We're gonna fire off rays in high dynamic range. We know that ambient occlusion is passe. Global illumination won't lead you astray. And while image-based lighting is really swell, you need to make sure everything has for now. Uh, it's gonna be like we're catching up on old times, and then it's gonna suddenly be like it's over and painless, and you won't even nice. know that it happened. <laughs> I don't want it to be over. The rest of the day sucks. I know. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's do this. Let's just hang out for for what we can. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. 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 So that's cool. Um, all right. So listen, uh, there's got there's got to be a lot of stuff. Obviously, you know, the the thing is, people need to know that all three of us work together in the trenches. Uh, to, uh, and it was it was kind of interesting. We were all three of us in a position of of leadership at a small company and dealing with some tough times uh, and and doing some cool projects at the same time. It was a lot of fun, and uh, I loved uh, I loved the, that that feeling of camaraderie we got from that. And I learned so much from that position from uh, both you, uh, Leighton and Paul. So it was really cool. But that's where we all met back at Sway, I think, right? 
Yeah, yep. absolutely. Yep. Yeah. And uh, late, the good old bad days. The good, <laughs> yeah, it was tough. It was tough. I mean, there, there was. I mean, we had some. We had some really good and interesting projects, and some really tough projects too. But we managed to mm-hmm. deal with those uh, in, in different ways. So, Leighton, you were the, the head of production back then uh, at that company, yep. and so you took care of everyone. Basically, that was a thing. If something went wrong, it's like right. Leighton took care of us, made sure that we were safe, we were healthy, we had the support that we needed. And uh, you took care of everyone in the studio. And I remember that was like, I learned a lot from that process on how to respect people. That was a big thing that you did, uh, was respecting people and making sure that they got what they needed. And Paul, and, you, and had well worked, too, uh, so. you had already worked at, uh, uh, at Sway before and then came back, right? That's Correct, yeah. Um, I first started as an artist, um, then went away, did some supervision, and then came back as a, as a CG VFX supervisor. Right. Right. And so you and I basically would split. We had different teams and we were taking on like different projects. And so it was like between your Paul's team and Chris's team was really what we were working on together. And that was, there was some interesting projects we worked on. That's really how we all met. But there's a story before all of that happened. And we're going to get a little bit into the backstories of how that, uh, how, how we, you know, that's the cross section. And now we're going to go to the, to, to where the, the origin stories happen. So Leighton, what is your origin story? You've done a bunch of things in the entertainment industry, not just taking care of nerdy artists. <laughs> That's my main gig. I, I tend to be a caregiver just because I like it. I like caring for people because I care. Um, but yeah, I came from a family that was always in entertainment, uh, two actors for parents, you know, but I did the whole college, you know, I went to, you know, uh, Cal State Northridge, graduated with a communications degree. Mm-hmm. I was going to be like in marketing or publicity. And then I realized that that meant selling things. Yeah. And I didn't really like to sell things. I like people. <laughs> So I got very lucky. I started off at this company just kind of trying to find a way in entertainment because I always loved movies and make-believe and and magic. Um, So I started this little company called Pacific Ocean Post, which at the time I had no idea was very large. Like they were at the height of their sort of thing. And luckily I started as reception and what they called a concierge. And just my natural I gravitated towards the people in visual effects. They were funny. They made jokes. (laughs) They uh, were quirky. I don't know. But I just fell in with them. And when they had a position for a coordinator, I said, I don't know what kind of, you know, thing you would need, but maybe. And they're like, oh, we've already asked. You're going to get transferred. I'm like, oh, great. So then my career just kind of started. And by working closely with artists and building trust and respect and learning so much, everything from back then, what a D1 was, nobody knows what that is now. It's a doorstop. Yeah. Um, <laughs> to, you know, color space and how things work, the boxes. I mean, back then there was Henry and mm-hmm. how. Oh, my gosh. Rita. Okay. You're really dating yourself. Yes. <laughs> I am. I am. Don't I look good? Uh, Henry. Um, yeah. Wow. But yeah, you know what I mean. So it was. A, it was an evolution, and it was a. I, I was blown away. But over the course of time, we worked from there. I went my next job through again. Artisan connection was at Rhythm and Hughes. More learning, uh, and from there, then you know smaller shops like A Five Two Sway Zoic Entity. But it was always this amazing journey of being taught and learning at every single space that I was in. And it was really, I got that opportunity from all the great people that we work with, you know? Yeah. So I just feel blessed. And so eventually, you know, over time, you know, then you, you know, you start moving up the food chain and that's head of production. I went from Zoic uh, senior producer to head of production at Sway. Mm -hmm. Um, And then cut to uh, a few years later, uh, Paul and Mm. I now work at Technicolor VFX. Yeah. uh, I as EP and he is creative director. So there you go. The journey continues. There you go. Yeah, awesome, awesome, awesome. Now, Paul, let's hear a little bit about your backstory, how you ended up in this thing. I've oh, always man. known you um, as like a star, like one of those, those the, the, you were part of the light wave cult group that was really big <laughs> at the time and sort of yeah. came out of that, that, that era. And, you know, I, which was, by the way, I'm, I don't mean to say cult because it was not really cult, but it was definitely a certain group. And I would have discussions with you and like, okay, how do you do that in light wave? And you were the person who could help me figure those things out. Um, yeah, actually, I mean, and I, I had a late start, uh, I feel like a late start, to, to the entertainment biz. Um, I came into it, you know, like a decade after I graduated high school uh, okay. and, and that, that decade before that was, uh, filled with managing customer service and, and IT departments as well as, um, getting into database programming and developing. And 
yeah, and, and being a big art buff and, and creating props on the side and stuff, um, you know, a, a friend of mine who's working on Babylon 5 basically yep. said, hey, um, we use this software to, to make things, you know, for, for TV and film. It's, you know, computers and you know how to build things. Um, you want to give it a shot? And yeah, the rest is history. Um, I think about three months later, after like some serious hands-on, some training from, from some friends, um, you know, I, I cut my teeth getting a job uh, as a, you know, a junior lightwave artist. Um, and, you know, that was, I don't know, 22, 23 years ago, whatever it was. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, uh, but, you know, and, and at first it was, uh, it was just that. It was like, okay, there's lightwave. It's used for TV. Max, you know, 3D Studio Max was games and, and, you know, this Maya software is only for features. Um, and, you know, I, I figured uh, I got to start learning some of these things. Um, you know, fast forward 10 years, I'd, uh, at that point, I think I was using Maya, XSI and Max. Uh, and, and, you know, trying to, trying to understand the differences and teach the differences and use the benefits of, of everything. Um, and then a couple of years later too, I was, but that's a uh, good thing, I Paul. I'm sorry. I just wanted to, that's no, no. a good thing. You learn all three because that really makes you sort of agnostic to the software. It more makes you realize like yes. I, I can, if I can drive a Ford, I can drive a Chevy. You know what I mean? Like it's the same. It's a Absolutely. car is a car, you know? Yeah. And, and, and honestly, Honest to God, when it when it comes down to it, it's never about the the application. Um, I mean, sure, there are some some major differences, um, but it's truly about the artist. I mean, I knew I knew extraordinary artists that were so headstrong and set in their ways that they they wouldn't upgrade, you know, to the latest version. And they might be using a version of something that was four years old. Um, and it was like, oh, there's so many new bells and whistles, you know, on this new version. They're like, don't need it. You right. know, and what they what they used was, or what they made with it was just extraordinary. Right. You know, so it's like, okay, it it, it is about the artist. Um, mm-hmm. But then the, you know, um, I think when uh, Max, uh, I think it was when V-Ray came out for for like 3D Studio Max. All of a sudden, in my opinion, that was a huge game changer. Mm-hmm. And then people are like, oh, wow, you can do that in Max. Okay, you know, um, uh, and then you know uh, other. Uh, whether it was thinking particles or some other things and all mm-hmm. of a sudden like Max started I feel like taking over you know some of the um, uh, the territory that, that Maya had won um, but truly it was it was it was about the artistry you know and, and learning the application it was like okay if, if you know how to speak English then you could probably learn Latin you could probably learn a Latin based language at that point you know right. it's like yeah it's it's all the same thing it's just slightly di- conjugated slightly differently right you know absolutely yeah. absolutely and it's that that's that's a great great way of putting it i mean uh that you know you can do a little bit of both but it was great i mean obviously i learned uh you know i learned a lot like i said from you like i remember you showing me specifically f prime which was something cool like it's like that's something that you know chaos group needs needs something like this and like the, we call it <laughs> V-Ray GPU now, but <laughs> that's pretty much what F-Prime was at the time. So yeah, yeah, it was interesting. Yeah. Before everybody else, yeah. Yeah. I do want to say one thing. I mean, my listener, I mean, like you guys uh, know, I mean, this podcast has been around for six years and, and over 300 episodes. And so my, some of my loyal listeners have heard me tell a few stories over and over again. And one of the stories that I say often is about the, my favorite part of visual effects uh, tends to be uh, the bidding process sometimes. <laughs> and uh, the reason being is that the reason I say is like, that's the process where they give you uh, you know, a task and a bid and a number to do that task. And those things never match. And so your job is to talk them out of it by either having them change their mind about what they can do or change their budget. And that relationship, you start that relationship and often because you do that, uh, that is some something that you can, you know, you don't just sort of go, okay, we'll do this for that. It's If you start that relationship in that conversation, you actually start a relationship with a person before you even won the bid. And that's a really big thing. Now that particular skill, I've said that story many, many times. Uh, that skill is what I learned from Leighton. 
So she is the person who taught me that skill. I don't know if you guys know that, but I have sat with Leighton many, many times doing bids on projects. And she was like, she was like, they want to do like some fireball with 10,000 cars coming out of it. And they've got $400, right? And I was like, okay, how are we going to do this? Let's figure this out. And then, you know, when you actually get with the actual person and you talk to them, uh, it'll actually, uh, they'll actually sometimes do something different. They'll tell you, oh, well, that's not what I intended. And when you have that relationship, you've already started a relationship before you've even finished a bid. So that's been a very great true. thing. Yeah. We feel very strongly about that, Paul, and I always talk about it too, especially the way visual effects came around in our industry. You know, at first it was so like, you don't even know that you need us. So let us teach you that you need us. Right. You know what I mean? So it was always, we come from that point of view as being sort of an afterthought or like, we'll get them involved later. We don't need them right now. And we're almost evangelical about like, no, you need us now. Because if you if you can talk to us now, we will save you money. We will be your partners exactly. and make it better. Yeah, yeah. And if you can get them engaged in that conversation without a doubt it turns out that way i mean you know certain things push comes to shove there are things that if you really want ten thousand cars coming out of a real fireball right. that's going to be tough it's yeah yeah yeah, but, yeah yeah you know what i mean so, if you can push and pull a little and get that going it, it's so crucial and I'm, I'm glad that that's one of the things you took away because i think that we agree it's so essential yeah and and, and, and and honestly speaking it is your sometimes your only chance to have a creative input <laughs> you know <laughs> Yes, you know? absolutely. And, and so I think yeah. that's a really important thing for people to realize. Like your the bidding process sounds like okay, you got to sit down and come up with a bunch of numbers of how much it's going to cost to do something. It doesn't sound very exciting, but if you really put your mind to it, you can do some exciting things at that. Well, you can change people's opinions, you can adjust things, you can have some input. So it's really kind of nice yeah. to do that. You can I mean, yeah, to that point it's like yeah, you can really work with the methodology and and try to understand, okay, is is this a scripted moment that they absolutely need to see? Do they need to see that fireball or can it be alluded to, you know, um, and it's like, especially if, if you're, if, you know, the production is budget challenged, then it's like, yeah, let, let's figure out a, a different way to tell that story, you right. know, hit that story point. Um, and, yeah, and I think the evangelical part that, that Leighton was mentioning too, it's in, in, in my personal opinion, um, calling VFX post is actually like wasting a huge, huge opportunity to trim a budget and to collaborate with the storytellers, with the writers, the producers, um, because when it's in script form is when VFX should be, you know, used just like special effects, just like the stunt team, the actors, like right. everybody, even lighting. It's like everybody, including VFX, should be coming together at that point saying, this is what we're bringing to the table. This is how we can collaborate mm -hmm. and solve your creative or or collaborate and, and try to figure out the best way to shoot something for the buck or to make it more safe or, right. you know. To tell you, the story further, to, you know, yeah, to absolutely. just help the creative yeah. product be better. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. VFX those are, those are not just for post anymore. Yeah, no, and it's true. And, and it's also your opportunity to start your relationship with your customer, right? And that's, you, if you Absolutely. can start the relationship with your customer before you won the bid, you, you may actually win the bid no, early <laughs> because they like who you are, you know, yes. as opposed to yeah. someone with the and lowest price. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, right. oh, this person has lots of great ideas. I don't care if they're, you know, 10% more expensive. Let's use them because I already trust yeah. them. You know, exactly. Uh, and those are great. And, and, and customer relationships was something also I learned a lot from both of you guys. Uh, there's, you know, there are certain things. I remember actually when Leighton, Leighton and I worked at Method together as well. Uh, when we were there, and I remember the Simon, uh, the Scion projects we worked on together. Do you remember those? Oh, yeah, those were fun. Yeah. Those were a lot of fun. Uh, and we had, yeah. you know, we were told. I think we had a very difficult director, and you know, everyone's like, they were tiptoeing around him. It was like, oh yeah. no, I think Simon was his name. I said, what is his name? Yeah, I was gonna say they kind of likened him to Simon on um, American uh, Idol. Yes, because they were like, he's tough. He's British. He's great looking. He's very put together, but he's tough. Yeah, yeah. You know? And everyone was like, oh, very like tiptoes around him. And then I was like, okay, all right. And we developed such a strong relationship with him that by the end, 
Leighton, you said you like hanging out with the nerdy artists, right? They were like, he's a clean freak. He's very clean. He's like, nope. He was hanging out in the in the in the in the artist bay with us, yeah. sitting on our on our dirty couch, uh, watching dailies with us, uh, just like hanging out with the guys. And he was like, this is great. This is so much fun. Like I feel like I'm part of the team. And and it and it really was, you know, because we we developed that relationship with him and we nurtured it over time. And it just, you know, yes. one commercial, two. Com- we did six commercials with him all. All in a row you know it was like hmm. pretty yeah. pretty awesome uh pretty cool stuff so thanks for for those lessons honestly speaking hmm. those lessons that i learned in my life uh and they're not just for visual effects they're for everything that you do and for business or for how you talk to customers and how you do everything so both of you guys are really yeah. good at teaching me those lessons uh for sure thank you um okay so i do want to go through uh, a little bit about what you guys are doing at technicolor so what's going on there like you said you're uh uh, uh you guys are, are are kind of working as a team again right <laughs> yeah yeah paul's the yeah. creative director but it, it start and i'm the executive producer but it started uh about three years ago with a bit of a change in perspective for Technicolor Post specifically, because okay. as many people know, Technicolor is a big company and has bought plenty of other creative companies like The Mill, MPC, Mr. X. Right. Um, so it's not that they don't have a visual effects offering, because I have to say when Paul, he got there before I did, and he reached out to me, I had worked at The Mill recently, and I was like, why? What are you doing? Why do we need, who's Technicolor Post? Why do you need this? Right. So I will let Paul tell the story of what changed. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, yeah, so um, yeah, that is a good yeah. point. Technicolor is a huge company and you're a part of it, but in a very specific place. So tell us a little bit about Technicolor Post. So yeah, Technicolor Post has been around for a long time. Um, and uh, it, it itself has acquired you know a few aspects uh, from sound, visual effects, um, duplication, you know, finishing, you name it, uh, color. Um, and uh, about three years ago, yeah, a little over three years ago, uh, they made the decision uh, to take the, you know, handful of visual effects artists that they had in-house, um, try to unify them over, you know, the, the three offices, uh, London, Toronto, and L.A., um, get them all under one pipe and, and, and do more than just like the last minute sort of production fixes and you know the the fix it in posts type of stuff right so um, we're talking mostly like like a, a f- some flame work oh there's a wire that needs removal or some little stuff like that very heavy flame yeah, yeah. yeah. because yeah. what they were what they were experiencing or the need that they were filling by having in-house visual effects artists was really for their color mm-hmm. their colorists who are finishing right, of course. DI and finishing a lot of episodic work so technicolor at that point they may have done the sound they may have done the dailies they may have be doing the color and the edit and then they're like, and then we're watching all of our clients go to somewhere else to do visual effects. Should right. we do paint out a C stand? We do beauty work. We do de aging. We do all this this kind of work. But what if we said, hey, you don't have to leave the building. We we do it all here. We can do your set extensions. We mm-hmm. can do you know a good amount of your CG, especially hard surface stuff. We're not so big on character stuff yet, mm-hmm. um, but an area we're growing in. We can do your dynamics, you know, and all of these things. So Got it. Paul was really essential in making that turn and bringing him in someone like him with his experience of working with much bigger, higher end CG, higher end product for visual effects and trying to retool the team that we had and expand greatly the team that we had to make that offering to our clients, really. That's interesting. I mean, that's not uncommon that color, big color companies, like I, my wife works at Photochem, so you guys are familiar with that. With that. Yeah. So big, big, big color companies are like, okay, we're doing the color and it's like, oh crap, we see something, quick, fix it. Right, like that happens yeah. all the time, yeah. right? And she time. she yeah. does a lot, and it, she's like, I'm working at a deli. It's like I got a line cleanup, you know, thing, and then she'll like fix it and <laughs> hand it back, right? So yeah. she does yeah. she does that a lot. She does work on these like minute by the minute billing uh, scenarios that she does, yeah. but uh, but there is also bigger projects that she does, but that she takes over all by herself, which is great. So it sounds to me like you guys are doing that. And it's like, and we're going to start to do set extensions. Like, like what are some of the things like you started to offer that are different, Paul? I mean, uh, uh, virtually everything. Okay. Um, you know, in, in the past two years, uh, two and a half years or so uh, that I've been there, um, I mean, we grew from, you know, 12, I think 12, 14 um, people in the team to over 60 mm-hmm. um, and went from heavy flame to, to nuke and Maya. Um, mm. And 
uh, and you know we've we've kind of done it all with the exception of heavy creature work um, but yeah in I wouldn't say in the past year but last two years because 2020 was <laughs> a whole lot less um, uh, fruit bearing than we really wanted it to right. um, but we, we you know on Westworld we did uh, head replacements um, oh. you know full full CG uh, head replacements for, for Ed Harris's character mm-hmm. um, uh, on Picard we did you know massive set extensions and set replacements like full digital set replacements wow. um, uh, matte paintings um, dynamics work you know smoke fire blowing things up breaking things right um and so yeah it's like everything under the sun um you know right now we've got um a show on house um a snowfall it's in its fourth fourth season um Mm -hmm. and it's it's a period show which you know it's set in the 1980s in los angeles and, and we end up having to do a bunch of paint out work but we're also doing like reconstructing downtown la so that it it looks like 1980s, mm-hmm. um, you know, the 1980s skyline, um, removing a lot of satellite dishes. Um, <laughs> yep. But, Cell towers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, and, and because it's it's all about the, the rise of crack cocaine in L.A. in the 80s, there's a lot of squib hits, a lot of muzzle flashes. Right. Um, but there's, you know, also... We've done a, a lot of period work. Explosions work and stuff, but yeah. Bridgerton, yeah. you know. Yeah. On to- yeah, on top of that, it's like, exactly, it's, uh, this past year we've done Bridgerton, um, you know, a huge, huge smash uh, hit on, on Netflix. Uh, yesterday, Firefly Lane just came out, which has a bunch more of our work in it. Uh, we did um, a complete set replacement on that. Um, and, you know, so it's like it, almost everything under the sun, uh, really, that we're doing. And it's... Um, and still to date, even though it's been a couple of years, you know, we have clients come to us and go like, oh, you guys do that? You know, and it's like, yeah, we're the best kept secret, uh, <laughs> you right. know, and really try to get it out there and, 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 you know, just show people what we can do. I mean, that is really cool because it is, it is, you know, uh, the thing right now, the world is not short of content that's being generated. I mean, there is so much stuff happening. I think uh, Netflix say they're releasing at least one new movie every week. (laughs) And that does not include all the series that are coming out and all of that stuff. So there's a ton of content and people are definitely consuming content, especially during (laughs) the pandemic. It's been like a consumption of content that you just absorb, which is, and and that's, that's those, that's number of content, but even, Paul and, and, and Leighton, and when we were all working together, TV was not necessarily like high-end visual effects back then as much as oh, it yeah. is now. I mean, now it's like it rivals and some often surpasses what used to be done on film in a lot of ways. Well, and it's technically a bigger market these days oh, yeah. because we've all seen the mm-hmm. tent poles have seriously decreased. And now too, with movie theaters being closed for the last year, there's serious contention about if and when and to what extent they'll survive, right. you know, yep. to really have mass viewing again, because I know Netflix has rejiggered their whole plan too about, you know, people now are very used to getting a movie same day in their home. I would bet if there was, I'm sure there's studies about how electronics purchases have gone up because people are home, they, that is their entertainment. Right. So they've rejiggered to say, okay, we're going to really invest more in films. You know, here's our first slot, which is, you know, 5 million and under and this many films. And then we're going to invest in these many films that are the big end and they're 10 to 20, right. not a hundred million, not 75. Yeah. So that market has gotten huge um, where everybody is come to the watering hole of episodic, really, uh, you know, right. content based, you know, small series, whatever you want to call it. But that's really where we've seen, especially recently, you know, our partners have been MPC, Mr. X, and, you know, they very much want into that market because it's it's such a vibrant market right now. You know? Absolutely. I, I, honestly, speaking as a consumer, I'm going to be happy because I'm getting whatever I want in any kind of form I want, right? And I can, I can subscribe to... Uh, you know, I can subscribe to Criterion Channel right now, right? And I have that as, and and that is content that I have at my fingertips that would be hard to get normally, right? And I can watch it anytime I want. And those are things that are great. So 
I'm watching a whole lot of 70s films that, you know, I probably forgot about. And I was like, oh, I can't wait to see that again, you know? And those are really great things. And I think that's a wonderful thing as a consumer to do that. By the way, I don't know, you guys are probably experiencing the same thing, but there's a, especially, uh, there's a lot of restoration work that's being done in big companies, right? Are you guys doing some of that as well? Yes, we have a whole restoration department, as a matter of fact, mm-hmm. who had already been busy, but they are experiencing more of that jump too. So yeah, especially when TVs work, are going 4K is, and uh, HDR and everything else, they gotta. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. 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 So it's uh it's nice to restore some of those class. You know, when it, when you do come across the classic ones, it's it's very nice to be a part of keeping that alive. Oh yeah. You know, and, yeah. and making it viewable for future generations. I know. It's a nice perk. I know. Karen so. had to do some of that too. And I think she came up to me. She's like, I'm so excited. I was like, what's going on? I was like, I get to work on evil dead. It's so yeah. cool. And he was like, they, it, uh, anyway, it's a lot of fun to do those things. And so these are, these are, the, I think honestly speaking as a consumer, as I said, it's great to do that. It's really cool that you guys are doing that in house as well, because I think that's, sort of as a shortcut it's like i oh we need this and we can just get it done right here and they don't have to worry about bidding it out to a bunch of places but i'm, I'm sure you still have to bid things right you, you guys are still doing the bidding oh, yeah. oh absolutely yeah. <laughs> yeah very much so it is still a very competitive market and that's the thing as we all know because you know someone will do it sure. for the price you know what i mean to what extent they care about you know again the relationship and the quality and the convenience you know to consume you know Production has a choice, you right. know what I mean, whether they fly with us or not, you know, so it is, um, there's also that aspect to bidding as well, you know, when we were talking earlier about, it's the psychological benefits too, it's the price, but how you also package that into value add of who you are and what you offer as those people in that package, you know what I mean? A full team that like, yep, you can call us anytime. We're not going to, you know, charge you every minute for, you know, advice or going to set, you know for a piecemeal day or those kind of things, you know, because it is, it's very competitive. Yeah. 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 It is a competitive market. There's a lot of visual effects companies out there and I'm sure right now, especially they're all looking for work. Do you find yourself competing a lot more overseas as people used to say, you know, do that because obviously, you know, I mean, LA work has been something that was always been a thing. You know, one of the reasons I left visual effects is I didn't want to move to Vancouver. So, but do you guys find yourself still competing in those areas? Our northern neighbor is still very competitive. <laughs> oh, yes. right, right. But yes. you guys have you guys right. have something in Toronto, right? So We have Toronto, right. yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And I don't I don't know how aware but we're also in the process Technicolor Post is in the process of being acquired by Streamland Media. Right. Which is oh, so Picture Shop, Formosa, and they also have, they don't have a Toronto location, but they have a Vancouver location. Right. With yeah. their ghost effects is their visual effects brand. Okay. So um, we're excited that, you know, again, it's like, okay, add another piece to the puzzle, add another something that, you know, we can then provide these multi mix and match sort of packages to our clientele to look, it's the best of all worlds. You know, everybody's getting to do the work. We get to stay very high quality, but you get your tax incentives and then we all get to share great looking work hopefully you know is the is the goal yes now i know this news on the uh the acquisition is probably very fresh and you there's not limited stuff you can probably say about it which is completely understandable but yes. i'm going to ask some questions anyway and you can answer what i can what you can tell me what you can answer and what i answer so pick, tell you what we know. Yeah. <laughs> or that you know yeah i know sometimes you don't even yeah know i think that's that's uh, the issue so, right it's there fresh. Yeah. so 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 so, so what's the name of the company that's acquiring you guys again Streamland Media. Streamland Media. And they own Picture Shop, Ghost, uh Formosa Sound. Formosa Sound. Okay. And they're 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 Finale yeah. and the Farm. And we've been actually as a company, and we've Ghost been Farm. looking at them because we've been noticing how quickly they are growing and how much they're acquiring. They're actually they're being very interesting and that's a company that's going to be very interesting. And the fact that they acquired you is very interesting, and I actually think it could be a very—it's a very positive thing for you guys. Uh, we do too. Yeah, we do too. Yeah, um, absolutely. So, so now, now that they've they've acquired you, now did they acquire you just for your 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 visual effects stuff, or are they doing the color as well, like all of that? It is considered Technicolor Post, so that would include dailies, color, uh, the editorial that we offer, sound, and visual effects. Did I miss anything? Uh, at all? Uh, yeah, um, on set, uh, dailies. Oh, right. Yes, I, uh, say da- yeah. I said dailies, but yep. yes, on set dailies. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. that is a lot. 
That's a big, that's a yeah. big business yeah. move. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, do you know? I, but I think do, it, well, okay. I, it, this is just an opinion. This is not anything that is, you know, said by anybody else, right. but in the markets that we compete in most often, our competition has been picture shop, you know, as far as in that episodic world. So yes. looking at it that way and trying to, you know, garner as much clientele, uh, you know, obviously investment in talent to garner that right. clientele seems logical enough, a reason why they would be expanding and adding us to that mix, you know? Right. But Picture Shop is is also uh, a fairly new company as well. Yes. So, so so they're they're they I mean this could be like oh this is a easy way for us to grow that company <laughs> and a little bit more right H hands so, down definitely. yeah absolutely yeah. absolutely because I think uh, Mitch Gates is at Picture Shop I think so I don't know if you guys know Mitch but well Bill Romeo started it mm -hmm. from Encore yes um, and I think he is you know sort of the he's the head of the whole thing, mm -hmm. you know, with this backing and investor group that has been then now looking to further acquire. Right. So. Right, right, know. right. Well, that's, that's great. I'm really excited. I think Picture Shop is a, re a very cool company. Uh, I've been following them. I've, like I said, I know a couple uh, of great people that work there. Um, and they are very hot in the, in this, in the, in the streaming SVOD world, shall we say. So, <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's, that's really, and then there's, I think there's some really great, great work coming out of there, uh, as well. Uh, so I do wonder, so like we mentioned, you know, there's got, uh, some new original content. There's, there's, um, especially the other thing that I also find interesting about uh, the streaming content is that it's as opposed to you're working on another Marvel film, superhero film, and it's always the same kind of thing. The massive differences between styles, directors, big, uh, every show you work on can be completely different look, feel, et cetera, et cetera. Do you feel that that is this the case or do you see a lot of trends that are happening between uh, different shows that are, that, that, that are, uh, that you are taking advantage of? Uh, I, I think, I mean, generally speaking, there's a, a huge difference between um, genres for one thing, but just director and artistry style. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, a director I worked with recently, you know, literally said, you know, I like to kind of allude to, to an effect. I don't feel like I necessarily have to show it on screen all the time. Right. You know, um, you know whereas... You know, um, you know whether it's it's Marvel or, or or you know any other like blockbuster you know production. It's like no nah, effects are part of kind of like that genre. It's like you want to show them, you want to see the things that are happening. You know, and um, and I, I really think it it kind of boils down to you know just the the director or, the, or that you know specific artist's taste um, and and what they want to show. Mm -hmm. um, some people don't necessarily want to show you know grotesque. Um, you know, violence. Uh, whereas others are like, "Nah, come on, let's make this Kill Bill Volume Five. Right. You know, um, so <laughs> um, it's it, it really, you know, it, it does boil down to different productions, and and you know, and Leighton can tell you too. It's like we we've been working on everything from um, indie, you know, um, augmented reality to document, you know, doc, um, uh, like Netflix docs mm -hmm. to um, to Marvel content, kind of a thing, Marvel and Disney content, right. and so it is. It's it's all over the place, um, and it's refreshing because it, it's not just the same sort of cookie cutter approach to to doing visual effects, you know. Um, and for our part, sometimes you know, it, it's just that it's like, oh yeah, no, we can we can approach it like this, or we can offer this, um, and if you don't like that, we can try this, you know. Um, and it's. It, it's nice to be able to mix it up and not just feel like, you know, you've got that, that widget that you want to stamp out constantly. Right. Right. Yeah. 
I think it falls more in genre, like you were saying, because nowadays there's, you know, they've realized there's so many different types of flavors for people. So it really falls in everything from, you know, like, oh, you're in the magic world, you're in the tech world, you're in the space world, Mm -hmm. you're in the Western world, you're in the, you know what I mean? And it's kind of nice because we do get a nice cross section of those things all the way to like, oh, this is a three camera comedy. (laughs) And you're like, oh, okay, then you have to school back to what that is, you know, and just how simple, you know, in certain ways that can be you know so it's kind of nice you get a a real round robin so to speak of of all the flavors yeah that's really interesting uh uh what is uh the thing that's interesting about uh, uh you know the that is also is when i work when i started working in commercial i used to i worked in features and then i worked in commercials and then i went back to features but the thing about features is like you could be on a feature for for a year right or longer and and sometimes mm-hmm. it's not a good film right and you get like eh, well it's and then there's like here's a year of my life i mean I'm, I'm gonna i worked on 47 ronin which is a film that not many people saw and i luckily mm-hmm. i've only was on it for about four or five months but there was a guy who was on it who was what the original supervisor and he had been working on that film for about three and a half years trying to get it done i'm like imagine wow. that amount of time and you don't have the opportunity to do other things. So it's, to me, it also sounds like streaming stuff uh, or streaming content is uh, you you go through a lot. <laughs> like you can, do, it's almost at the scale or, or speed of commercial stuff, isn't it? Very much so, yeah. It's kind of an in-between. And it just having done, because I've done commercial, episodic, or you know, streaming, yeah. uh, and features. And that's the interesting thing, because I would, like you, I bounced back and forth a few times between features and commercials, because the timing, sometimes you're like, oh my God, this is going on forever. Nobody <laughs> will let anything go. And then with commercials, you're like, we are racing towards a brick wall, and it is going to end at some point, because we're, we got to be done, right? So that's kind of right. a good thing. Um, and then episodics is this nice in-between, I find. It's a really good marriage schedule wise sometimes i mean Mm -hmm. you know it has its own things like everything but between that sort of it's got to be done it's got to be done quickly and efficiently and look good and there's a point where it it's got to go you know what i mean you've got to let it go it's got a date it's gonna go and it kind of allows you to have a little bit more um control in a way you know and so when you burn because we all know as visual effects artists we burn Mm -hmm. uh you know it's it's a it's not as intense maybe or it happens quicker and then it's like okay now the next one's maybe not so intense so I kind of like the rhythm of it a little bit more speaking just from the schedule you know vibe and and it's interesting to see as artists come in how they then assimilate depending on what their experience is to that time frame right you know, right but the, the demands but the quality level of streaming is also really really high you know so it's like yeah you, know, you yep. got to do that. Yeah. And t- TVs aren't forgiving anymore. These are 4K HDR TVs. This is not. <laughs> this is more detail going in than when you know I worked on Day After Tomorrow, which was you know 2K <laughs> and film. You know, so yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. That and, and I th- I feel that the 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 viewers' eyes um, have been you know more educated over the past decade as well. It's like every viewer out there expects better not just that their tv is providing a 4k image you know um in hdr you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's it's just that it's yeah i I think everyone's eyes are kind of they're just maturing to the point where like oh that doesn't look good you know um so and that's well we used to talk about that all the time actually and i think that's something i very much learned from you chris what was that take a quick side turn (laughs) um the important, the real, real importance of lighting is like, because I've never said like, I didn't come up with a degree in any sort of art or creativity, but what you, the average person will look at it because we were doing CG cars heavily. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and at right. that time they were relatively new to have fully photo real CG cars. Yep. But your thing was always like, the average person will look at it and they'll know something is wrong. They won't know what, but they'll know something is wrong. Right. You know what I mean? And it was usually to do with the lighting and then the composite of the lighting. Right. But it was really, I learned a lot from you both that way of like trusting the fact that after a while, my eyes were, you know, like the average consumer, but maybe a little bit more enhanced. Right. And I maybe couldn't always articulate it. But, you know, like you say, the average consumer nowadays 
they don't know what's wrong, but they know it's wrong. It's wrong half the time, you know, if it doesn't look right. Well, that's so. the thing, right? So a car or, or I, you can very much use it for a human face and my whole uh, uncanny valley argument, but a car mm -hmm. specifically is falls in the same thing. You know what a car looks like because you see so many of them every day. And if it doesn't quite look right because the lighting's not right or the shader's got too much reflection or the Fresnel's not right, you're like, that doesn't look like a car. And I don't know why, but- it's you know and, and that's the thing it's like i don't yeah. i don't know what's wrong but it's wrong <laughs> yes it's true very true yes. yep. but I, people are more savvy i think so now they know more you know they look at it and they're like hmm, yeah yeah something's yep. up yeah and i think some of the problems sometimes especially is and, and this is a danger that paul i'm sure you can understand that it's like some of the problems is some people is when when a visual effects person or a cg person knows too much that's when they get into danger because then they don't actually <laughs> look at it from the, they look at the minutia and not the big picture. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and it's funny cause actually something that I, I recall learning at Sway and this was working with you, Chris, um, as well as, you know, using the, what was it the Drivatron? Uh, um, oh, right. Yeah. And, you know, realizing that just because we are, matching reality as close to humanly as possible um, isn't necessarily correct. Because oh, it's not it's what, what they the want sometimes. Wants. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like, oh yeah, you know, making... idealization is good, yeah, especially like, in advertising. <laughs> try to, you know, make a, a minivan do a power slide. Uh, like, uh, right. that's, that's, that's not going to happen. Yeah. We can do it. Yeah, they're like, yes, no, it needs to do a power slide. We're like, it's... But it's it's going to lean into the you know the yeah. weight of the body of the roll the suspension the tires are going to you know like no it just it needs to slide you're like yeah okay okay yeah <laughs> well that, so know, like, so just yes. just give people a little more context so, so when we all worked at, at Sway as as we mentioned earlier but Sway was a uh, a, a VFX company. Uh, that specialized in car car work and specifically car commercials, which was very lucrative at the time uh, as a as a business. And uh, we had one of our secret sauces is we had a piece of software called Drivatron, which was written by Graham Fife. Graham is I'm still in touch with Graham and Daniel. They both work at Apple, by the way, these days. <laughs> uh, but Graham uh, Graham wrote Drivatron. And Drivatron was a car simulator. It was absolutely fantastic. It was the most it's realistic amazing. car simulator out there. And basically what would happen is these CG cars, we would drive them like with a steering wheel. We had a you know remote steering wheel. Oh, yeah. He wrote a video game like a car and it would it would simulate the car like a motion capture stage and would have the right balance and the car, the, the tire smashing, like in terms of the compression of the tires, how much skid it would have when it would lose traction, all of that would be recorded. And then you'd be able to do these beautiful renders of these cars. And they looked absolutely realistic because the motion was right. Just as Leighton said, I know it's, if it looks, if it's true physics, it's going to look right. Right. Uh, the problem was people would say, I want to have a power slide on a minivan or something crazy like that. And that's impossible. And I remember Graham was like, Graham, you got to drive it this way. And he goes, that's impossible. And so and then he would say, well, I kind of got it. I put super glue on the tires so that they would not keep traction. And I think I might have hit 5G. So I'm definitely dead in the car as a driver. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, that was a pretty good yeah. gram in person yeah yeah too. so i'm definitely dead, dead. dead. yeah Very and good. so so <laughs> the, but but those were the requests right and so it's like okay yeah and what's interesting about that paul is sorry you got me into this thing the first thing no, about totally. that is that is that how is it done in real life right if you do it in real life, the way that Michael Bay will shoot an action car sequence, right, is very different than you think it is. Most of the time, those cars, when it looks like they're speeding down the freeway and it's got a close-up camera on a wheel moving, that car's going like 15 miles an hour. It's not going 150. It's just not possible, right? It doesn't look fast at, 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 at 80 miles an hour. It looks fast when it just you can feel the road and see the road. Mm -hmm. And so it's very different to do that. And I think that that's what people get confused a little bit. It's like, oh no, I think this is what it should look like. Well, that's what it feels like, but that's the camera that's doing the work, not the car. <laughs> yeah. Too true. Like, how do you know you're going that fast? It's what you're going past. It's That's the motion, not yep. actually. That's how you tell visually what you're doing, right? Yeah. So yeah. it may not 
need to be filmed that way to feel that way. Yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, lots of tricks. My favorite was driving on the moon, though. I have to just have a shout out for driving. <laughs> oh, on the moon. right. I yes, forgot. The simulator right. on yeah. the moon was the best. Yes. It's like, big four wheeling. Yeah, yeah, it was because you could change the gravity. Mm-hmm. And then we, we, we asked Graham, he's like, because driving on the moon was a lot of fun. And we asked him to have uh, dust particles behind it. And he's like, he'll do something quickly. And it didn't look right at all, but we kept it because it looked like you were being chased by bees. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Fun with tech. It was right. fun. And the other cool thing yes. about that pro- that thing is, uh, do you remember the, uh, um, what was it? The what was the, oh, the Pontiac uh, commercial we did? did we, yeah, you were part of the Pontiac yeah. commercial. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, we had the, the, the clients were hanging out. And they got to drive the cars while we were working on things. So while they were waiting for reviews, they would play and like drive the cars around. So that was kind of a, a, a <laughs> bonus awesome. of the project. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was a great project. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, there was something else I learned from you, Leighton, uh, and, and, and Paul as well, because we would share war stories on it, was being on set and what mm. it's like to be on set. <laughs> oh yeah and uh there are some interesting things about being on set so where where did you cut your teeth on the ethics and the and the and uh, or the the you know the the priorities and how do you how do you deal with people and 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 on the whole being on set thing where where was that coming from for um my i mean actually i, I think my first on set gigs we're actually doing a little bit of prop work and special effects um actually just before getting into into visual effects and so i kind of learned a little bit about oh okay you know don't stand behind the director and <laughs> and always talk to the first ad and yep. you know um uh and oddly enough I, i'm still learning things to date uh you know a uh, <laughs> good god knows how many years later um but my my first visual effects gig on set was through the syndicate um, uh-huh. for a Six Flags commercial, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and yeah, we had uh, uh, it was supposed to be two or three commercials where um, yeah, these uh, roller coasters like smash out of the ground and tear houses apart, like coming to life, just essentially like populating an entire like neighborhood into a Six Flags park. Um, and it was, you know, meant to be like scary and horrific. Um, and the first one came out and it was truly incredible. And then the second one never made it to air because there was a death at one of the parks, unfortunately. Oh, um, and so they just kind of canned the, the whole, um, you know, that whole commercial scheme. Um, but yeah, I, I remember going, you know, going to set and, you know, wide-eyed and going like, okay, you know, I've got to, I have to photograph all this. I have to get all this reference information. I have to talk to the people who don't know or care who I am. Um, but you know, we're a large part of making this commercial come, (laughs) come to reality. Um, and uh, I have to say that a lot of, a lot of my experience going way back to like customer service, you know, talking to people, Mm -hmm. understanding what they're doing and what I need to do and trying to find a happy medium, you know, and then collaborating, um, a lot of those skills, so much bigger and more important than exactly knowing, okay, if, you know, if I hold down the white balance button on the camera, uh, I'm going to get everything I need as compared to shit. Now I have to white balance all my photos after the fact. Um, (laughs) but (laughs) It doesn't sound like that ever happened. No, never last week. I mean, um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it's just that it, it's it, being on set is, A, you're always in the way no matter who you are. Um, and it's it's this, like, dance of, of trying to figure out when can I get in to get what I need? How can I work with everybody else? Don't step on anyone else's toes. Make sure you're making friends because all these people will probably be finding you a job. You know, if if they like you and like working with you and like the product, they'll probably right. end up working with you again. You know, or finding new work, kind of a thing. Um, and so it's yeah. Uh, I mean, from from that day one, it was just like showing up at a brand new school. You know, mm-hmm. being the odd kid out, <laughs> and then having be nice. <laughs> yeah, and then having to make the best of it. So yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. That 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 lesson you learn very quickly. The first person you want to be friends with is the is the AD. If you're not friends with the AD, you ain't gonna get what you want. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Too true. Yeah. Yeah. You cannot be a problem. You need to be a solver. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. It was. It was. It's. Uh, and it. It was. You know. It, those are. Those are interesting uh, times. You learn a lot from that process uh, of being on set. And I. You know. Leighton was. Was there with me when I was learning the props. I mean, honestly speaking, I was. I came in with a lot of knowledge and a lot of gusto and a lot of feelings, but I was still green in a lot of areas. And I. It, I. It, if it wasn't for for people like well, like Leighton that were like here's how you deal with a bid because you know, I never bid on anything I was always the guy who would come out ideas like yeah I was like oh crap I gotta think. I was like I know all the, what I gotta do but it was hard or you know and can here's how you do that and now, oh now we're gonna go on set and I didn't know what an AD was when I first went on set at Sway I had no idea I mean I did but I didn't know what that implied <laughs> you know if it wasn't right. for those things so uh, and the, the, that's where I learned those things and it was really really great lessons um, and, and I really appreciate that and to take those uh, those things uh, which has been yes. It's been fun. It's been a lot of fun. But how are you guys dealing? I mean, we're, we're coming close to the end, but how are you guys dealing? Obviously, you, whole new adventures coming ahead of you. There's a lot of unknowns with uh, with uh, <laughs> happening. But how has you been doing? You said you obviously you've uh, been doing some work during the pandemic, but it's been a little bit of a challenge, right? Yep. It's, we were very, very fortunate. You know, sometimes, you know, as you know, in visual effects, the whole industry has its ups and downs of like consolidation and then smaller shops, like bigger shops buy all the small shops, but then they get so big, they kind of burst and then there's smaller shops. So this was a case, I think, where being one of the biggest shops kind of definitely helped because mm -hmm. the need that happened immediately for working remotely was able to be addressed very quickly by a large group of people. You know what I mean? We already right. had- Part a of a bigger working, infrastructure, so, yeah. Exactly. So I think that is definitely a plus. We have some extraordinary people. We're very lucky. We have a great team, but that allowed us to go remotely quickly. Um, mm -hmm. I think it was really only a week of some trial and error before it was a pretty smooth process. So we got very fortunate. And, you know, the nice, the good, bad thing is we're all in it together. Even our clients, they were just grateful that we could make the transition and that it became, right. you know, the nice thing about visual effects, unlike a color bay especially in the episodic world, clients don't usually want to come in and sit with you and watch it happen. They're like, you right. just show me the finals. Show me the, show me working process, show me the finals, you know. So they were already used to the remote viewing process. So I think that helped mentally, like it wasn't a hurdle for them of like, okay, how am I going to evaluate this? Got it. So, but I think Paul can speak, you know, more to the intricacies of how that worked, you know, making sure artists were set up at home, that they could communicate effectively and efficiently back and forth, you know, with the pipeline. Um, but we luckily didn't really miss a beat and very fortunately already had shows in the pipeline that were coming to us that, you know, because you can only get fed what has already been shot as in post-production, you know, already mm -hmm. to a degree. So we've been very lucky that during these lean times, we've had things that were already in the pipe, you know. Um, so it's, I mean, I think we're really happy. And that's going to be the shock when we have to go back. It's going to be like, what do you mean I have to get up and shower? And like, I don't know. I, I, don't know. I, 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 don't know. I don't know if I want to go back. You know, I was like, me. I'm with you. I think a lot of <laughs> yeah. us are with you. Yeah. Yeah, maybe yeah. I, maybe once a week. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. You know, just just to stretch my legs. Think, <laughs> exactly. You know, see each other, say hi, yep. you know, with masks probably still. But, you Same know, traffic. I think there is a new normal coming of a mix that, you know, is, I think, I truly hope we don't lose the good things that happen right. with us being, needing to stay home of like, hey, I think most people have a little bit better quality of life, certainly with their family and, you know, spending time in their home, you know, I, most of us, you know, in LA commute. And so it's like, oh my God, I just got two hours of my life back every day. <laughs> you know, that's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the other thing, you know, I was going to, I was going to mention also is that uh, there was we were told we couldn't work from home because of security issues. Well, now everyone was forced to work from home. Suddenly those security issues have, are, you can't argue them anymore. <laughs> so mm -hmm. you can work from home. And if you want to continue to work from home, there's no reason for you, if it makes your life better, I don't see any reason why you should be forced to do that. Now, if there's, It'd be nice to get together every now and then to be a little more efficient in certain areas, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to, right? I think that's the thing. Yeah. And, and I think, uh, actually, you, you said the word efficient. Um, and that's, in my opinion, that's probably the big, 
buzzword for you know all the powers that be you know way above us right. um, everybody wants to be as efficient uh, they want all their employees to be as efficient as possible mm-hmm. um, and there are, there are some inefficiencies uh, when it comes down to working from home um, and you know being able to just like you know turn your head and talk to the artist next to you is an amazing efficiency that everybody takes for granted um, you know even like, supervising, being able to get up and walk down the hall and talk to a group of artists uh, or the editor or whoever. Training. Yeah. That happens. Exactly. On you site. know, it's like being able to make certain that everyone is available to do a Zoom call or a Teams call, you know, um, and then schedule it and then make it happen, you know, and not everybody has the best internet, you know, connection either. Yeah. Um, and most everybody can work fine, you know, with with essentially, you know, microseconds, milliseconds worth of delay, which is just simply amazing. Um, but then there are times that, you know, there might be a lag spike and they can't work for, you know, right. uh, minutes or even hours. Um, yeah. So, yeah, th- there there are pros and cons to it all. Um, I, I certainly hope we can all work from home and continue to. Um, and then when we do have those, like, 911 projects, then it's like, oh, let's circle the wagons. Let's bring everybody back in the office. Right. Yeah. You know, bang it out. Certain let's get deliveries. it done. Yeah. yeah, I can't imagine like when you have big projects. I mean, we all know we've all been there where you're like every second you're like, where's that shot? Where's that shot? Like when, it, when is it going to be done? When's the render? render? Yeah. Yeah. So the the immediacy of being able to go room to room with a supervisor and look at whatever's done right when yeah, it's done yeah. so that you can get those notes and keep going. Those kind of moments, I'm like, uh, yeah, I, that that would be harder at home. Yeah. But um, again, I'm, I'm with y'all like, let's find a mix. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I certainly yeah. like... So, so like I said, I don't drive to work anymore, but I do, uh, I do, uh, every now and then take a break and go fishing. And so what's nice uh, about the pandemic is that <laughs> I can drive from Burbank to Malibu in 40 minutes, n- no matter what Isn't time of great? day. Isn't that great. <laughs> and so Very I'll get married. up at five yeah. in the morning. I'll go, fi- I'll go to the beach. It's the sunrise. I go fishing. It's incredible. Oh, and I gorgeous. come home and it's, you know, it's nine thirty, ten o'clock and I can, I can do my day. You Start know? your day. Nice. And I've already gone fishing and for the I day. I argue, <laughs> and I argue that that makes you a more efficient, better employee. Oh yeah, yeah. So I think it should stay that way. I, I, I I've got a. You know what gave me yeah. one of the things that there was a guy named Randy Sharp that I work with. I don't know if you guys know Randy. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but he used to be at DD, and he lived in Valencia, way out there. Mm-hmm. And so he would come. He would leave Valencia at like you know five o'clock in the morning, and he would be in Venice at six, and then he would fish, and then he'd come to work at like uh you know uh and he'd be at work by nine o'clock and i was like mm-hmm. that's amazing and i was like you know i'm sitting there trying to get my coffee he's like i caught a leopard shark today <laughs> you know? yeah it's like wait what i just got my coffee <laughs> so yeah i think that sometimes finding, finding a little thing that can change your day that can break the monotony can do something interesting is nice and then you know that's a little bit tougher when you're at home but you kind of have to find those those little moments if you yeah. can Sure. Kind of, kind of make yourself to, to a degree, you know, to the extent I'm, I'm very fortunate people that are home with their children, you know, like you are yeah. homeschooling and learning right now, it can be like, when do you get that moment to take a break, to get up and walk away from your computer or their computers and yeah. get outside. So yeah, it, I think that's a key in the pandemic. Finding ways to have those moments of personal time is kind of the, the challenge that a lot of people are facing Yeah, you're, you know, we're to help a, them cope and deal. Yeah. Luckily, I like my family, but it can imagine if they, like we're all in the, we've been in the same house for a long time and it's always, they were the only people. You know, I was, I was talking about it with someone that's like, I haven't shaken someone's hand in a year. <laughs> right? Yeah. And it's funny, every now and then someone will still start to work and you're like, no, no, that's okay. Yeah, yeah. I know. These yeah. are, these are new habits we're going to have to, <laughs> yeah. to, to, to get used yeah. to. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You know, well, the, listen, guys, the, it was great catching up with you guys. Uh, uh, I know that you. So good to see you. I know it's so good to see you. But uh, <laughs> there, besides besides the uh, the big uh, company move and the big changes in your life, is there other projects that we can look forward to to see your work? You mentioned, I think you mentioned Picard. You mentioned Westworld. Uh, what are some of the other cool projects coming up that we can check it out? Well, Firefly Lane just dropped, and um, we did um, a lot of work on that. Um, 
And I'm trying to think of like what's in the pipe right now. We've been working on a large uh, film project, which is interesting, but I don't think many people will get to see. It's actually a film being funded by the United Arab Emirates government. Mm. <laughs> and it's sort of like their Black Hawk Down real story, yeah. uh, military story. Okay. Um, and it was really fun to work on um, because, <laughs> I mean, just as, you know, most people are like, uh, they used all their real military and all their real military explosives. <laughs> so oh, it's like, nice. yes, we have done dynamics to enhance and to add and stuff, but it's like, no, no, they they let off that rocket. That really happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Boom. So that one's kind of fun. Looking forward to that one coming out. Bridgerton season two is already in the works, and we're looking at that one. Nice. And um, we're talking to some folks about some uh, horror film projects, which could be fun, oh. but they haven't landed yet, so you can't quite point say yeah but you know there's never a remake that doesn't need to be remade that's all we're gonna say okay yeah Uh, (laughs) everything needs to be remade yeah paul is there anything jump into the front of your mind um yeah i mean snowfall season four starts this month Snowfall. yeah that's right um yeah 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 uh yeah, there's, there's other things, and I'm completely blanking on them, so yeah. I know. Well, we, when we've had a nice little, uh, little, you know, just getting little pieces of, like, uh, Tag Team, which is a Marvel film. You know, obviously, they have big vendors, but we're getting to play a part in that, so, nice. you know, and getting our feet into that uh, territory as well. So, you know, it's good to have, and a little bit of uh, maybe some other superhero CW shows, mm-hmm. so... You know what I mean? So we're we're getting, because as much as we do the projects that are in-house with clients that we already have, you know, episodic clients that are like, we do work on Be Positive, again, like three camera camera, you know, Station 19, you know, those kind of regular things. It's nice when we get the clients that are just come to visual for visual effects. Those are kind of, you know, we love to get a little bit different, like you say, add that potpourri, that flavor. So the superhero ones or the military ones or the sci-fi ones are often the funnest. And the and what uh, we do in the shadows will be another season. Oh, and, nice! And speaking of which, as yeah, well, um, Reservation Dogs, which is uh, Taika Waititi's um, pilot. Pilot. Uh, so yeah, that got greenlit. That nice. We worked on. Uh, we're the exclusive yeah. vendor on that one. So yeah, that's a lot of so awesome we're work. So hoping for a busier second half. Yeah, maybe. yeah, that's a lot <laughs> of awesome work and a lot of things to look forward to. Yeah. So I'm very, uh, very much looking forward to that. So uh, we will. That's a big list. <laughs> We'll try to put them down. Uh, we'll try to <laughs> think about it, that. But and we hope it grows. Yeah, yeah. That's that's great. That's yeah. really exciting. That's really exciting. Well, thank you so much, guys. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you for having Our us. Yeah. Love talking to you guys. Yeah. It's great to reminisce. and great to see everybody together.